This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger, and this is the show that seeks to equip you with fruits of truth from God's word. Because we live in an age of deception. Deception is all around us. It's in the world. It's even in the professing church. So we need to know the truth that we can find in God's word and God's word alone so that we can stand against the deception. You know, when when a faker pops up, we know he's a faker. He's saying wrong things because we know God's word and we know what it we know what is true. So that's the purpose of this podcast here, Equipping Eve. You can find out more about the show. You can find out more about me at equippingeve.com. You can find every single podcast that's ever been recorded there. I think this is like episode 92 or something. So uh, the podcast airs every other week in general. And uh, that schedule, I think I'm going to stick to it for a while. It, it works. So we'll see if circumstances change so that we can do something a little more frequently. But for right now, that's working. And speaking of the podcast, uh, because this is kind of new, I'm going to announce it for a couple of episodes. Equipping Eve has its own podcast on iTunes now, so that's new. And it might be an easy way for you to subscribe because I know every two weeks, it's not something that you necessarily always remember. Hey, there's a new episode. I get that. I'm not at the forefront of your mind every other Saturday that's okay. I'm fine with it. I'm not offended. However, if you do want to make sure that you can catch the new episodes and you use iTunes, type in Equipping Eve and subscribe and the new episodes will just pop up. That's the way it's been working so far. And that's the way I'm told it's supposed to work. So we'll see if it keeps working that way until they boot me off. But you know, there are lots of Christian podcasts that haven't been booted off of iTunes. So I think I'm less controversial than the majority of them. No, maybe not, but I'm I'm less controversial than some of them. So we should be okay for a while. So that's that. Uh, something else I want to make you aware of, and it's a ways away, but I know that you're all busy. Most of us are. You know, as pretty much the second we become adults, we become busy. When we're kids, we're not actually busy. We might have busy work in school, but we're not actually busy. So you might want to make plans. Now, as I record this, it is April of 2019. I'm about to tell you about something that will happen in March of 2020. I still think you should mark your calendars. At the end of March 2020, March 27th and 28th of next year, Answers in Genesis will be holding its annual women's conference, which is Answers for Women. And it's organized by Dr. Georgia Purdom. And guess who is one of the speakers next year? Yours truly. So this is a little shameless self-promotion. I've not been asked to promote the conference, but I actually am really excited about it. Um, I've spoken at this event in the past and it's been wonderful. It's a great event, good speakers, good fellowship and worship. And so I want to encourage you to come because next year's theme is truth, uncovering the lies we believe. And that's a pretty good theme. 
So when Dr. Purdom contacted me, I thought, yes, of course, I would love to be a part of this. And then when I saw the website that uh, they are using the Equipping Eve theme verse for the theme verse of the conference, I figured it was all meant to be. So that theme verse is 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So I don't think that you should attend this conference because I'm speaking, because quite frankly, that would not be worth the cost at all. Uh, but like I said, good fellowship, other good speakers, Dr. Purdom will be speaking, Ken Ham, um, my friend Amy Spreeman will also be speaking. I'm so excited to be speaking with her again next year and Phil Johnson, Kosti Hinn and others. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There are early bird rates for the next several months, so you have time. But again, I know you're busy. So if you want to mark your calendars now, you can tell your husband, hey, honey, guess what? You're watching the kids that weekend because I'm going... To Kentucky. Hey, who doesn't love to say that, right? Um, there's not much in that area of Kentucky, but there is this conference. And um, so anyway, check out the website answersforwomen.org. Again, I'm not getting any sort of kickback for this promotion. I'm simply telling you because I think it'll be a good event. That is the extent of my um, ulterior motive. Uh, even if I weren't speaking, I'd say, hey, this is a good women's conference to go to. If the topic interests you, you should go. So answersforwomen.org, check it out. The details are all there. So that's that. Okay, enough commercials. Let's jump into the show. And let me tell you, my idea for the show was inspired by an episode of I Love Lucy. I admit it, full disclosure, because I need you to get this picture so that you can see where we're going. So, um, you know what, let's read the scripture and then maybe you'll know which episode I'm talking about. If you're like me, you know every single episode of I Love Lucy. Um, if you're not like me, you probably have something a little more substantial filling your brain, but that's okay. It was a great show. Good clean humor. I love that show. Anyway, turn ladies to Luke 13. Luke 13 verse 18. And Jesus is uh, speaking in parables here. And um, the, there's a parallel passage in Matthew 13, actually, to this. But we're just going to take a look at Luke today, just for the sake of time. If you want to look up the parallel passage in Matthew 13, I think you should. I think that would be great. So I'm reading from the ESV today, Luke 13, 18. He, Jesus, said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now these parables have always been interesting to me because they're so short, you know, they're like one-liners, um, and they kind of go together, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. So we're going to look a little bit at both of them, but really my focus is on the parable of the leaven because if you're an I Love Lucy fan, you already know where I'm going with this. I heard a throwaway reference to this parable in a sermon a week or so ago, and um, 
you know, it was just kind of a, a reference really quickly to, you know, um, the parable of 11, the kingdom of God is like yeast. And of course, in my head pops this I Love Lucy episode. So um, give you a little background in the episode. There's a bet going on uh, Lucy and Ethel versus Fred and Ricky. And um, they're betting that the um, the men are going to need to use modern conveniences before the women are going to. So they're all living at the turn of the century. So they're not using, you know, any electricity or anything like that. And it comes to pass that Lucy has to bake her own bread. And she's working on baking this bread and Ethel comes over and uh, is asking her how it's going. And Lucy says, oh, it's fine. But I had to go to three or four stores before I could find enough yeast. And Ethel says, well, how much did you need? And Lucy says, well, 13 cakes. Now, I don't bake bread. But if you do, you know that that's a lot of yeast. And Ethel looks at the cookbook and says, well, Lucy, it's three cakes not 13. And Lucy says, oh, well, they're small. It won't matter. And so she's kneading her bread and she lets it sit and she comes back and it's like exploded. You know, it's doubled in size, which is what bread does with yeast in it. But it's really large and she kneads it again and lets it set again. And then it happens again. She has to get a bigger bowl. And then she puts it into the oven to bake it. And she and Ethel are talking and a little while later and says, hey, do you, do you smell bread? And so they go in to check on the bread and Lucy opens the oven door and out comes this hugely long loaf of bread. And, you know, it's completely unrealistic, but it's funny because it's I Love Lucy. So when I hear that the kingdom of God is like leaven, I picture this episode where this loaf of bread just got out of control and it's huge, you know, and um, I also love bread. So I would kind of love a huge loaf of bread, fresh, freshly baked bread like that. But that's what pops into my mind. So I think of what Lucy said when she realized she had put 10 extra cakes of yeast into her bread than she actually needed. And she says, oh, well, they're small. It won't matter. Won't it? Clearly, leaven or yeast has influence, if you will. Clearly, it has an impact when it is worked into the dough. And 13 cakes takes it overboard. You only need a little bit. Yeah, they are small. They're small for a reason, because yeast is powerful. Now, what does this mean for the kingdom of God? Well, look back at the text. First, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. What does that mean? And this parable is actually in all three of those synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's depicting, isn't it, that this little tiny seed, now it's not the smallest of all seeds, and it's not the smallest that um, people in Jesus' day would have even known about. But it was often used to uh, refer, kind of used proverbially, to refer to the smallest seed that you've ever seen or that you've ever worked with. 
And so God's kingdom might start out small, right? I mean, think about it. He had a band of 12 disciples, and then one of them fell away. That's a small start. And they were kind of a ragtag bunch, too. So not just small in number, but kind of small in influence in the world, right? You got fishermen. I mean, you got Levi, the tax collector. I mean, think about that. Can you imagine the other guys? Like, wait a minute, what, what's, what, what's he doing here? Why, why is he with us, Jesus? Like this guy, I, I don't, I'm not so sure about this guy. So think about it. Talk about the kingdom of God starting out small. But in their time, and by the time that the, 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 the New Testament ends, the gospel has spread throughout the known world at that time. And today it has spread throughout our known world, which is the entirety of Earth, nearly. So this little tiny mustard seed yields this tree and the birds can nest in its branches. You can't ignore this tree once it's built and you can't ignore the kingdom of God once it has grown. And then Jesus moves into, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, I looked at a few explanations of these parables just to see. They're pretty straightforward, but, you know, it's always interesting to get different commentators' takes or, you know, different um, resources and see how they're reading it. And um, J.C. Ryle um, when he speaks of the parable of the mustard seed, he says that this talks about the progress of the gospel in the world. But then he actually takes an interesting take on the parable of the leaven and says that this is about the progress of the gospel in the believer's heart. And he's saying that the work of grace may begin small, but it grows steadily, just like leaven does within the dough. J.C. Ryle writes in his expository thoughts on Luke. He says, The first beginnings of the work of grace in a sinner are generally exceedingly small. It is like the mixture of leaven with a lump of dough. A single sentence of a sermon or a single verse of Holy Scripture, a word of rebuke from a friend or a casual religious remark overheard, a tract given by a stranger or a trifling act of kindness received from a Christian, some one of these things is often the starting point in the life of a soul. And isn't that true? You know, even Jesus talks about, you know, one plants and another one waters, but only God can cause the growth. And so we often talk about that, or well, I do with others when we think about, you know, well, I was able to plant a gospel seed today. I had that opportunity. And I know that there are other people in that person's life who might also be planting seeds. And you never know how long, how many seeds it's going to take to be planted, how long they're going to have to be watered before God makes them grow if he so chooses and so that but each seed that is planted is a work of grace in that person's life and so I really liked 
the, the spin that J.C. Ryle put on this here. And um, I think ultimately, I would look at this a little bit differently, but I think it's still very um, appropriate and, and very applicable and a great way to look at this parable of the leaven. It keeps going. He says, The first actings of the spiritual life are often small in the extreme, so small that for a long time they are not known except by him who is the subject of them, and even by him not fully understood. And again, if you were saved later in life, particularly, you very well might be able to look back. I know I can and see those works of grace of God in my life and little um, peaks of interest in spiritual things. I thought I was a Christian, but I really wasn't. But I see how God was working in my life even before I actually was saved. I see ways that he protected me. I see ways that he allowed me to learn things I see so much when I look back and, and so many of those things were imperceptible to anybody else except me and I did not understand them at the time. He goes on, he says, they are symptoms which worldly men may not perceive and ignorant believers may despise and even old Christians may mistake it. They are often the first steps in the mighty business of conversion. They are often the leaven of grace working in a heart. The work of grace, I love this, the work of grace once begun in the soul will never stand still. It will gradually leaven the whole lump. Like leaven once introduced, it can never be separated from that with which it is mingled. Think about it. Lucy had that, those 13 cakes of yeast kneaded and mixed into the dough. She couldn't separate it. Say, oh, I have too much yeast. I, I have to pull some of it out. It was too late. You couldn't separate it. Little by little, says Ryle, it will influence the conscience, the affections, the mind, and the will until the whole man is affected by its power and a thorough conversion to God takes place. In some cases, no doubt, the progress is far quicker than in others. In some cases, the result is far more clearly marked and decided in others. But wherever a real work of the Holy Ghost begins in the heart, the whole character is sooner or later leavened and changed. And he goes on. And that's why I so appreciate J.C. Ryle. I just really think he has a great way of looking at that parable. And I looked online a little bit as well. I thought, you know, what is some of these these other ministries? What, what are some other thoughts on this parable of the leaven? And so I looked online. I looked through some other commentaries. And again, I think it's pretty straightforward in the text, isn't it? That the kingdom of God is like leaven. So is this talking about the kingdom of God within a person? Or is it talking about the kingdom of God as a whole? Like the parable of the mustard seed is saying, I think it's uh, worth looking at it both ways. I think J.C. Ryle looking at it as, you know, how the grace of God works and leavens the whole person, leavens in a good way. I know sometimes the Bible uses leaven as a bad thing, but in this case, it's very clearly used as a good thing. And I think we can also see it similar to the mustard seed as the growth of the gospel in the world. And so gutquestions.org also made some great points about this, um, saying that the yeast makes the dough rise from within. And so that kind of speaks to Ryle's point, doesn't it? That, um, you know, God works from within us. It's, it's an inward change, which within the inner man to save and change and sanctify. And then this yeast will impact the whole earth. But it's working silently with very visible outcomes. 
And so again, we see that within men. And we see that that's the broader kingdom of God working in the world. Leaven, when we put it into dough, it infiltrates the bread. We can't separate it. It spreads and it will affect that entire lump of dough. The gospel does this in individuals and it does this in the world. Ligonier has um, a little devotional on the mustard seed and leaven parables uh, on their website. And it says a morsel of yeast. I don't know who wrote this, so I'm just reading it. It just says that it was originally in Table Talk. So I want to give credit, but it's on Ligonier. It says a morsel of yeast is seemingly engulfed and consumed in the larger lump of dough. However, the leaven actually ends up permeating the flour, transforming the dough and making it rise. So too will the gospel, with slow growth at first, penetrate and transform society. John Chrysostom comments, The leaven, though it is buried, is not destroyed. Little by little, it transmutes the whole lump into its own condition. This happens with the gospel. And then they end their devotional. I thought this was interesting with this. It says, Matthew Henry reminds us that yeast works silently and insensibly, yet strongly and irresistibly. The kingdom of God works in a similar fashion. Though Christians often suffer and the darkness looks overwhelming, the kingdom is growing nonetheless. One day it will be fully manifest in all creation. Consider today how you've seen the presence of the Lord in your life and pray for his kingdom to come. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at it because we get caught up in the immediate, right? And in the here and now and everything that's going wrong and all the stuff and the junk that we have to deal with. At least I do. And we know we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. And we know that we should be looking forward to that eternal inheritance and that promise, all the promises of Christ that have been given to us, that this is not all there is, and that he is sovereignly working out his purpose, and that God will not abandon those who belong to him. And it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's really easy to tell people not to lose sight of it, but let's face it. You know, it takes one bad project at work or one fight with a family member or you know one bad grade on a test or whatever to lose sight of it and to get caught up in all the junk of the world but the lord is present in our life every day and we can see his graces and his blessings every day nonetheless and so are you seeing the influence of the leaven in your life and are you being the influence of the leaven in the world? Influence in a good way of the leaven. We're looking at leaven in a good way, just for just as a reminder, just as this parable does. Now let's think about this a little bit more as the gospel going out into the world, the transforming power of the gospel and the kingdom of God growing in the world. Think of that small cake of yeast and how much flour and dough you have to put it in, but the influence that it has over that piece of dough. I was listening to a sermon um, by Alistair Begg on this passage, and um, I love his sermons. They're so accessible and um, so insightful. So if you are looking for some great sermons to listen to, I highly recommend them. So if you go to truthforlife.org, you can uh, take a listen um, to his sermons there and check out the other resources they have. But I listened to his sermon on this passage in Luke 13, just to hear what he had to say about it. 
And, um, you know, he makes an interesting point of saying, you know, that the influence of the yeast is a result of where it's placed. And that makes sense. It's one of those duh things. I mean, obviously, the yeast can't influence the dough unless it is mixed into, and it is, it's mixed into, and it's worked all through the dough. If you look at the text, the woman took this yeast and hid it in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And then Pastor Bag went through and gave us some implications of this parable. And I'm just going to run through these because it was funny. I made notes for this episode and made a few notes and then, and then listened to the sermon and my notes matched what he was talking about. And so, except he said it better. So we're going to go with what Alistair Begg said. Um, but I love, you know, when Providence does that. So some of the implications, he said, is, you know, think of the implication of the kingdom, that it is, it might start small and appears insignificant. It would grow into a global impact. And we talked about that, didn't we? You got 12 disciples that this started with, 12 ragtag disciples. They're not educated men. We see that. You know, we see that when Peter is preaching. You know, who, who is this? You know, they could tell that he had been with Jesus. And yet, that gospel impacted the known world. Look at how that gospel traveled with those 12 disciples and, of course, the Apostle Paul as well. But as more people were converted by their preaching and their influence and the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, working through all of that, then, you know, more people are converted and they go out and they spread the gospel. And it's like a game of telephone, except God's word is preserved and kept pure in a way that more genuine converts are produced. And think about it. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and it grows into this massive tree. The kingdom of God is like leaven and it leavens the whole lump. And did not Jesus say in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This gospel, this kingdom of God will have a global impact and has here we are in 2019 and that gospel has had a global impact and then a second implication that pastor big talked about that was something i had just written down in my notes he said don't feel that your role in the kingdom is insignificant And I would say, don't despair that you seem to just be a commoner. And what kind of influence could I possibly have? Pastor Big's third point was that we don't have to be famous to influence the world for the kingdom. So don't despair that there aren't that many celebrities out there who seem to be true Christians. Now I'm sure there are, there are, there are sports players and there are actors and there are authors and singers, you know, who are true believers, but the vast majority of people making an impact for the kingdom of God are not actually known by other people. 
except their immediate circle. You know, we can talk about celebrity pastors, and there are there's a very small handful of those who actually preach the true gospel. But the vast majority of kingdom work being done by pastors is being done by pastors who are not known by anyone other than their congregation. God bless them. Pray for them. That's probably your pastor too. Not known by anyone other than his own congregation. And that's okay. And a true shepherd won't care because that's where God has placed him. And it's not just limited to pastors. It's you too. Are you just a stay-at-home mom? Guess what? You have influence for the kingdom. Are you just an office worker? Guess what? You have influence for the kingdom. Do you work retail? Guess what? You have influence for the kingdom. Are you a student? Guess what? You have influence for the kingdom. Don't despair that you're not famous and don't despair that more famous people aren't true Christians and out there proclaiming the gospel because that's not necessarily how God works. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chose what is foolish in the world. God chose fishermen. God chose a tax collector. God chose a stay-at-home mom. God chose an office worker. God chose a student. God chose a janitor. Sometimes God chooses CEOs and singers. Sure. But the majority of us doing kingdom work, and that's all of us, that's every Christian. Guess what? You're doing kingdom work. I hope we are, all of us. We're nobodies to the world. So never feel that your role in kingdom business is insignificant. So that is a great encouragement, I hope, to you today. And finally, it's only as we're mixed in and worked through that we can have impact. You know, if we separate ourselves from the world in the sense that, well, I'm going to get a job with a Christian company with only other Christians, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm only going to eat at Chick-fil-A because they're Christians there, and I'm only going to shop at Hobby Lobby because they're Christian too, and they play hymns over the loudspeaker, and I'm not going to any other stores, and I'm not talking to any people who aren't saved and don't go to my church, And, um, you know, that's how I'm going to be pure and be a Christian. Guess what? You are having no kingdom influence. Because we are in the world. That doesn't mean that we engage in the sinful activities of the world. That doesn't mean we love the world and cling to the world. Of course not. We have a better world waiting for us. But we are in the world now because we are supposed to influence, be an influence in the world for Christ. Now, whether that means that people come to Christ because of our lives and our gospel proclamation, or whether that means that they reject Christ, God is glorified either way. 
Well, think about it. Think about Jesus' prayer in John 17. In John 17, 15, Jesus prayed, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Now, I know he's immediately praying for his disciples, but this prayer is applicable to us even today. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your world is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus had to come into the world. He had to mix in and, and be worked through, and he had to walk among the unbelievers in order to proclaim the gospel and do his kingdom business. He had to be among the Samaritans and the lepers and the tax collectors. Now, I'm not saying go sit in a bar and preach the gospel. I'm not saying that, but I think you understand what I'm saying. We have to be in the world anyway, because guess what? We're here. We can't all go live in a commune. And so let's be about the kingdom business where we are. And ultimately, we have to remember that the kingdom works through Christ's influence on the heart of men, right? So the kingdom is not uh, the kingdom of God growing and having its global impact. It's not about political change. It's not about moral change. It's about God's power working in the hearts of men. Now, whether that brings about political and moral change in, in a nation, that's great. It'll be temporary. It doesn't save anybody. That change happens from God within the hearts of men. And however he chooses to impact the broader world that way, that is up to him. So the kingdom growth, that's all up to God. We don't have to sit there and say, I got to get 15 more people converted for the week. No, no, no. Maybe you're planting a seed. Maybe you're watering the seed that's already been planted. But God's doing the growth. But are you about your, your kingdom business? Am I about my kingdom business? It's not always easy out there in the world. It's not always easy to bring up Jesus. But that's what we're called to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. So be that leaven. You're in the world, you might as well be influencing it for Christ. And again, whether that means people accept or reject him, he is glorified either way. That's not your call. That's not my call. We're just called to proclaim, to be faithful to what we have been commanded. All right, ladies. I don't know about you, but I kind of want some fresh bread now. I don't have any in the house and I don't intend to bake any and bread maker bread is not the same. So don't tell me to get a bread maker. Anyway, I hope that's given you some food for thought. See what I did there. And until next time, ladies, get in your Bibles, get on your knees and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.